And scripture reading will be from the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 5, verses 1 through 10. That is 2 Corinthians 5, verses 1 through 10. And I will be reading from the New King James Version. For we know that if our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan earnestly, desiring to be clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven. If indeed, having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we who are in this tent groan, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed, that mortality may be swallowed up by life. Now he who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who also has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, yes, well pleased rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Therefore we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well pleasing to Him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. The Invitation Song 393. 214. The invitation song will be hymn number 214. You're not going to believe this, but I'm going to try to cut this a little short. Not because what I'm speaking about is not important, but because what Ron has to speak about after services for just a few moments, and we would like everyone to stay, is uh, very important also. We're just going to talk about uh, the exercises we're going to go through if something were to happen here at the building and uh, let you know how we will contain things and have those things handled if anything were to happen here at any rate. Uh, we're glad that uh, Stephen and Hannah Higley are with us today. Stephen is a faithful gospel preacher and was at, uh, uh, down in North Georgia for a time, almost about three years. He's, uh, he's not there now. He's, he's going into secular work, but... He's not doing that because of anything that, uh, on his part, he is sound and he's faithful and the White Oak congregation support him in his endeavors. We want him to know that. We're thankful for uh, Stephen and Hannah coming and being with us today and their three beautiful children. We're glad they are here. And if you haven't had a chance to talk with Michaela, you'll want to do that. She's interesting and uh, so uh, you'll want to have a, have a conversation with her uh, if you've got time, now it may she may keep you a little while, but that's okay. Last Sunday we talked about the coming year, and we talked about the idea of having success and uh, getting a second chance if we need one, and having that opportunity while we're alive in this world. Now, with that in mind, I want us to continue to think about bettering ourselves, not because it's the new year, but because that is what God expects us to do. Now, the title of the sermon this morning may be at first, uh, at first hearing a little odd, but I want you to bear with me for just a few moments and, and we'll understand exactly how that relates. But the title this morning is Working on a Better Body. Working on a Better Body. Again, don't start throwing tomatoes and calling me a hypocrite. Let's get into the text and understand a little bit about what Paul's talking about. Of course, what we are talking about is the fundamental idea of Paul's message that he wrote in this passage before us in the second letter to the Corinthians. Of course, we understand he's talking about the spiritual body. 
He's talking about the spiritual body, and that's what we all ought to be working on and working toward. But we need to understand the context surrounding that statement that he made. I think there's a misunderstanding with a lot of people in the world that that Paul longed for death, that he wanted to to die in this physical world so he could go be with God. He wanted to be with the Lord. Now, he wanted to be with the Christ. He longed to go be with the Christ, but he didn't want to, uh, he didn't have a death wish. He didn't want to go out of his way to make sure that he died physically in this world. In fact, it was the exact opposite. And so, there is this idea of physical well-being as well as our spiritual well-being. Again, we're talking about the spiritual body. But Paul didn't want to leave this world. There's no reason for any of us to want to intentionally leave this world uh, because there are people in this world who depend on us. Paul uh, understood that, and we're going to talk a little bit about that in a few minutes as well. But we need to uh, take care of ourselves as much as possible. Uh, that's secondary to the, to the spiritual body, but it is important nonetheless. Now, I think it is a wonderful thing for us to consider heaven, the glories that heaven beholds, and the glories and the wonderments that it has waiting for those who are faithful. And I think as we look at this passage this morning, it gives us a lot to consider along those lines. And there's something else that we gain and glean from this passage is a mindset that Paul had and his deep longing that occupied the heart of the great apostle. When we contemplate what lies beyond the grave and the truths of the realm above, I think we cannot help but become a better person. We cannot help but become better people and more suited for that heavenly existence. But the discussion that Paul had, that, uh, or at least part of it that was read for us by Brother Jeff, it did not begin in chapter 5. Now, of course, we understand that the chapter divisions are made for our expedience, and it's a lot easier to look up something in chapter 5, verses 1 through 10, than it is to say, hey, go over to about the, uh, you know, the middle section or a little bit before 1 Corinthians, and let's begin to try to find something in Paul's letter. But really, this conversation that he had began in chapter 4. In fact, it began in uh, verse 7 of chapter 4, but primarily for, for our purposes, uh, verse 16 and forward of chapter 4. Now, in chapter 5, Paul elaborated on the reason that we faint not, 2 Corinthians 4, verse 16. He elaborated on the meaning of the eternal weight of glory, 2 Corinthians 4, 17. And some of the differences he spoke about between the visible and the unseen and the eternal, 2 Corinthians 4.18. And so as we come into chapter 5, he begins to elaborate on some of these things. And in that discussion, he talks about this new spiritual body that we long to have and that he longed to have so he could go be with the Lord. And as he expanded on that, he did that in several different ways as he described his longing for heaven. Now, we ought to long for heaven, brethren. We ought to long to be in heaven. We ought to long to be united with Christ. We ought to long for those things, and we ought to long to be able to be in the presence of God, surrounding the throne of deity for all eternity. We ought to want to do that. But that doesn't mean we want to end our lives in this world unnecessarily short. 
Now knowing that, I want us to take a look at Paul's writing with this idea of working on a better body. And we begin with that. Paul looked for a better body. That's our first point this morning. Paul spoke of the earthly body each of us have. Now, we all have an earthly body. Paul had one, but he knew something intuitively about what happens to our body. Now, when you know something intuitively, you perceive that. He perceived that based on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And Christ's resurrection, of course, guarantees our resurrection, 2 Corinthians four fourteen. So he understood that this earthly body is very temporary. It's very temporary. He looked for a better body. Of course, more knowledge came to him through the divine person of God. The Holy Spirit inspired him and also through uh, the other inspired writers of the New Testament. And through that, we can understand and we can know what Paul understood and uh, the certainty of the truths of which he spoke. Now, Paul sim- uh, symbolically used the term tabernacle, right? Uh, some of the modern versions use the term tent, which is fine. It's uh, simply a, uh, a dwelling that can be moved easily. It's a dwelling that is temporary. Now, this word tabernacle that we read in chapter 5 is used throughout the Bible, often. But only twice is it used in the sense of our physical bodies. Okay? Uh, it's talked about... Uh, the uh, normally the tabernacle where the people went to uh, intercede or to have the the high priest intercede with God on their behalf, that whole area where they would offer a, uh, a sacrifice to God, and of course that eventually developed into the temple that was built first by Solomon. But anyway, this uh, uh, in Second Corinthians five verse four, this word tabernacle comes from a word that, uh, where we get our English word skin. Okay? That's where we get our English word skin. We know he's talking about the physical body. He said this tabernacle, this earthly body, in essence is very temporary. It's not what I'm looking for. And I don't think it's any mistake that the Holy Spirit used that word. Because after all, what's a tent? What's a tabernacle? It's something that is temporary. Something that is easily taken down and thrown away or discarded because it's not going to last permanently. Uh, it's not like a like a physical house dwelling. A tent isn't. And even when we look at the tabernacle, what happened eventually to the tabernacle? Well, the temple was built, right? Something that was more permanent, more located. Well, Paul's use of the word if expresses an uncertainty of whether he would die before the Lord returned or not. Now remember, he's talking about the physical body. If his physical body were dissolved, I think the King James Version says, or dismantled, some of the other versions use, he he wasn't sure. And so we get this mindset of what Paul really was wanting. He didn't have a death wish. Paul didn't want to want to leave this world, but he was looking for something other than an earthly body. He was looking for an eternal body. And he knew he would receive that when he was finished with the body in which we inhabit right now. This is very temporary. The older we get, the less 
uh, good we feel, right? A lot of the times. Sometimes it, it's a little harder to get up in the morning than it was, say, ten years ago, right? And But that's just the way it is. But that doesn't mean we need to want to get out of this life. We still have things we need to accomplish in this world. We need to be examples to people. We need to help train people. We need to help encourage people. We don't need to just want to leave this world and and go into the uh, the eternal realm. Now, that's what we long to be with God. But we have responsibilities in this life as well. And Paul understood that, right? He wanted that body, though, that would reside in heaven. He he longed for that eternal existence in an eternal body because great is your reward in heaven, Matthew 5, verse 12. He understood all of that. I think as faithful followers, Christians are are drawing near to heavenly Jerusalem. Paul made the statement one time, our salvation's nearer now, closer now than it has ever been, right? And we need to keep in mind, and I think this is the point that that Paul's driving home. No matter what happens, we're sojourners in this world, right? We're not here. Why are we just sojourners? Our citizenship is in heaven. We're just sojourning. We're pilgrims. We learn about that in Hebrews chapter 11, speaking of, uh, of uh, Abraham. Hebrews 11, 9 through 10. We're looking for that eternal home though, verse 14. Abraham understood that. And of course, Peter spoke, 1 Peter 1, 4, of an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away reserved in heaven for you. And that's what we get with the eternal body. Okay, So he was looking for an eternal body. He was looking for a better body. Now I want us to notice that for which he longed. That's our second point. Notice for that which he longed. This statement at least in the in the King James Version, says he he groaned to be clothed. He groaned to be clothed. He continued by saying more about the temporary body. Notice verse 2. For in this we groan earnestly, desiring to be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven. Even the uninspired Jew in their apocryphal writings They didn't count on this very limited body continuing on into eternity. They understood this was something that that was not going to last forever. And twice in this section, Paul spoke of groaning, longing for something, yearning for something. And he longed for that spiritual body. Again, there's been a misunderstanding, I believe. He wasn't longing for death. He simply wanted that spiritual body. Okay? He didn't have a death wish. He wanted, it says, to to be clothed upon. Now that single word where we get that phrase, clothed upon, means put on in addition. Okay? To put one thing over another. Maybe like we would put an overcoat. Okay? You put your suit on or, or you put your dress on and or, or whatever your good clothes are and you want to go somewhere and in particular, if you're wearing a suit, you have a jacket. But what if it's zero outside? These little flimsy jackets aren't going to get it done, are they? You need an overcoat. You need something that's warmer. And that's where we get that word. And so I think it is in this verse where we are enlightened 
to what Paul really wanted. He wanted to remain alive as long as he could, if possible, until the return of Christ. Okay? He didn't want to die. In fact, it was quite the opposite. He didn't want this body to be dissolved. He didn't want to go through that dismantling of the body. What is that? What well, death, right? What Paul had to look forward to? I think he understood how he was going to go. He didn't long for that process. He wanted to live. He wanted to be clothed on top of, over, when Christ returned. And we understand the teaching behind that, right? When we, when we look at those who die in Christ, 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 16, they have to be resurrected, right? Everyone's going to be resurrected, whether good or bad. Everybody's going to be resurrected. There's only one resurrection. But if we look in 1 Corinthians 15, 52, the faithful, and everyone is going to be resurrected incorruptible, not to be like this. Their body will be raised and then they will be changed into their uh, spiritual bodies. Now, what about those who are alive when Christ returns? What's going to happen to them? Are they going to uh, die a physical death? <clears throat> well, in the strictest sense of the term, the spirit separated from the body is death. But they're not going to die like those who died before Christ came. They simply will be changed. See, that's what Paul wanted. He wanted to be clothed in that new home that, that, that came from heaven. He wanted that spiritual body, right? And so, uh, he wanted to be overcoated with immortality without experiencing that destruction. Is there anything wrong with that? <coughs> Excuse me. Is there anything wrong with, with not wanting to go through that dying process? There can't be anything wrong with it because we don't know anything about it, right? We don't know what that's going to feel like. We don't know what that's going to be like. We've seen it. We've experienced it through other people, but we haven't ever been there. We can't talk to someone who's been through that. And so we're a little apprehensive about it, right? There's nothing wrong with that. And I think, of course, in Paul's position, I think he understood what the dismantling of his tabernacle entailed. Probably wasn't going to be good. And if, and if uh, uh, secular history is correct, he died by having his head chopped off. And no one longs for that. He wanted to simply be changed. I think that's an important desire Paul had. Again, he didn't have a death wish to leave this world. He wanted to be with Christ. He wanted to remain until he returned. I think we ought to want to do that too. I think we ought to want to be in this world as long as we can for the right reason, right? For the right reason. That doesn't mean we we love this world or doesn't mean Paul loved this world in the same sense that Demas did, 2 Timothy 4.2. But we should not be looking to die simply so we can leave here to be with God. We want to be with God. We want to long for that. But you know, Paul had responsibilities and so do we. Paul knew that there were people in the world that needed him, both physically and spiritually, right? I wonder how many people Paul converted to Christ after he wrote this letter to the Corinthians. He longed to be with God. 
but he understood he wanted to live. He just didn't want to endure that demise. Now, when we get this different body, it's not a completely different body, is it? It's a changed body. It's the body we have that is changed. How do we know that? How do we know that? Of course, this isn't something we want to be dogmatic about. But when we get into the eternal realm, are we going to recognize one another? Well, we look in John uh, uh, John 16, or Luke 16 rather, the rich man recognized both Lazarus and Abraham. The Lord told us in Matthew 8 verse 11 that we'll sit down at the table of fellowship with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We're going to recognize those people. On the Mount of Transfiguration, Peter and John and James, they recognized the Christ, of course. But who else did they see? They saw the great lawgiver Moses and the great prophet Elijah, and they recognized those men in some way. Something led them to recognize them. So we'll be in a changed body. And that's what Paul wanted. He wanted that. He wanted to be clothed. And he stated his preference that he wanted to live, but he was also confident that he would be with God one way or the other. You know, he wanted to be transformed rather than resurrected. I understand that. I don't think that's any kind of a black mark against Paul. But he had a second choice. If he had been given another choice between remaining, uh, I think uh, the alternative of uh, remaining in this physical world or going to be with Christ obviously was an easy choice for him. He wanted to go be with the Lord. And if that meant losing this physical body to death so his spirit could be separated and and return and, and be in the Hadean realm, I think that he longed to be with Christ. And I think that he was confident that that would happen. Why was he confident that that could happen? Well, it was a promise, wasn't it? It was a promise. In, in the sense that Jesus is always with us is absolutely the truth, Matthew 28. 18 through 20, particularly verse 20. That's absolutely the truth, but not in person, right? Not in person. And that's what Paul wanted. That's what we ought to want. But we still need to live up to the responsibilities here. And that ought to bring bring all of us to an understanding. When we read 2 Thessalonians 1 verse 9, we understand that those who are estranged from Jesus... They will always be away from the Lord's face and glory. That's not what we want. This ought to understanding Paul's longing to be clothed and his confidence that he would be with Jesus ought to encourage all of us to have that longing, to want to go be with him. Because when we read Revelation 22, 4, we learn that we will be both in his presence, we will be uh, enjoying his face and his glory for all eternity. And so I think Paul twice exp- uh, expressed the idea of confidence here. Some places or some versions say good courage, right? Though it wasn't his first choice, he was willing to be absent from the body so he could go and be with the Lord, Second Corinthians 5 verse 8. He wanted to be with God in actual presence, right? Again, I think so often uh, Paul is considered as someone who just wanted to die. That's not true at all. He didn't long to die, but he did recognize, 2 Corinthians 5.21, that to die was gain, right? 
It was gain. Brethren, we could, if we were able to go into the Hayden realm and meet our loved ones who have gone on, who died in Christ, listen, they don't want to come back. They don't want to come back. That doesn't mean they enjoyed or looked forward to the physical dying process, but they don't want to come back. I feel so sorry for Lazarus when I read John 11. That poor man had to come back and do it all over again. Right? Now, maybe a little different for him the second time around. He had had a taste of what eternity was. And, you know, his mindset was a little different. He understood that dying process. But how many Lazaruses were there? I think Paul had died and gone up to the third heaven. I think he was talking about himself. And so maybe that is why he longed to be with Christ so much. But he still didn't look forward to that dying process. Paul looked for a better body. He longed to be with Christ, and he lived in such a way to make that happen. That's our third and our final point. Paul lived in view of eternity, didn't he? And he lived in such a way as to be accepted by God. He turned his attention to that. Notice what he said. He said, Therefore we make it our aim whether present or absent, whether alive or dead, to be well-pleasing to Him. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 9. Whether we die before Christ returns or whether we are alive when He does return, we ought to make it our aim to live in such a way as to be accepted by God, to be pleasing to Him. That has to be our greatest ambition in life. That's what God expects from us, and that's what we ought to deliver. Paul told those in Thessalonica, saying, Finally then, brethren, we urge and exhort in the Lord that Jesus that you should abound more and more, just as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God. So whether we're in our physical bodies or out of our physical bodies, when the Lord returns, we ought to have lived in such a way that pleases Him. Why? Well, Paul gives us that answer too. Because all will appear before the judgment seat. Right? We're all going to appear before God. And so we better have lived in such a way to have been accepted by Him. Again, I think this is a a misunderstanding of this statement. It's not that we're just going to appear before God. We're not just going to be lined up, I don't believe, and, and the ones on the left go off into eternal destructions, the one on the right will go off into the eternal abode. What about those who have already gone on? Do you think the rich man who is in torments understands that he's going to be in hell for eternity? Absolutely. He lifted up his eyes being in torments. He understands that and in some way, hell's going to be much worse than that. I don't understand that myself, but I know that that's the case. So what does the judgment consist of? Of those who have already gone on and are found to have been lost. They understand their eternal abode. Well, it's going to consist of everyone who stands before, uh, appears before God. We're going to be made manifest. Now, what that means is to be laid bare. Those who are lost are going to be declared lost, and the reason why will be told to everyone. People believe in this life that we can get by with with secret sins, and that's just not the case. 
God sees everything. God sees everything. Now, we may not see it in people's lives, but God understands what's going on. But on that last day, that's going to be made manifest. We're going to be laid bare. We're going to understand why we're not going to make it to heaven if we happen to be in that group. But at the same time, we're going to understand why we are going to heaven if we've been faithful to God. Right? And so we don't want to be in that group where uh, as we stand before God in in uh, destruction and humiliation as, as we're uh, made manifest to everyone who's ever lived. We want to be faithful. We want to be faithful. Jesus will bring to light all hidden things. Notice 1 Corinthians 4, 5. He's going to bring to light all the hidden things and He will make known the intents of everyone's heart. I think there are going to be a lot of secrets revealed on the last day, Romans 2, 16, when God brings everything into judgment. And when that happens, all people will receive the proper recompense. Ecclesiastes 12, 14. Solomon said that, that it's going to be revealed whether good or bad. So when we look at this idea of recompense, it is, it is really judgmental reward, right? And it's not always good. Reward is not always good. If it's judgmental reward for things that are bad, that's what's going to happen. If it's judgmental reward for things that are good, then that's what's going to happen. Ephesians 6, 8 and Colossians 3, 24. I think it's important to understand when we look at this idea of good and bad, it has to be based on God's standard, right? Not my standard. Not someone else's standard. Someone may say, well, I've lived a good life. Well, according to who? You may not have lived a good life according to God. You may have lived a good life according to the, to the, uh, the, the neighbor next door to you who has not lived a good life in any sense of the word. But we need to stand up to God's standards. That's why Jesus is going to tell the majority of people on that last day, He said, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity, Matthew seven twenty three. Because only a few are going to go into the uh, straight gate and the narrow path. We have to be careful. I think Paul's statements and teaching in Second Corinthians 5 ought to inspire all of us. It ought to inspire us all. I think if we read it, if we study it, if we meditate upon it, we can come to a better understanding and be more determined and focused to be able to put on the new body. However that happens, whether we leave this world physically first or whether Christ returns, we need to be prepared for that. As we continue through life, I want us to look, I want us to long, and I want us to live in such a way that we will be able to put on that new home, that new body, and be accepted into heaven. And we need to be able to be working on a better body as we live every day. If you've never obeyed the gospel, do that today. Don't leave here not in a covenant relationship. Be added to the Lord's church so when Christ returns that you'll be in a position to be able to move into heaven and, and live eternally with the God. If you've done that and you've become unfaithful, don't turn your back on the Lord. Come back to Him through uh, repentance and confession. Publicly, if necessary, we'll pray with you and for you and God will forgive you. If you need to answer this Lord's invitation, please do that as we stand and as we sing.